Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80s one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether or not you should dig these out again. So, if you're ready for an 80s music deep dive from Aha to Wham, Bowie to XTC, Madonna, Hair Metal, New Wave, and all points in between, then crank the boombox, turn your Walkman up to 10, and let's go! Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Chris. I'm Henry. And I'm Megan. I usually introduce them. I know, I don't like it at all. I felt naked, I felt weird. I'm not doing that anymore. Well, I'm having this boot up problem, so I'm a little out of my zone. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know if you were ready or not. I'm not cranked up. You've been sitting over there clicking for an hour. I've been on these goddamn notes for, I've been working on this pod for three weeks. You better be great tonight. (laughs) (laughs) With that kind of intro, you better be fucking great. God, I've about forgot my opinion. What did I think? Fuck, let me look at my notes. Look at my notes. Check it out. Thank you for thank you for tuning in to 80s Music Exposed. Yes, I am Henry. And um we're back. February nineteen eighty-three. Yeah, it was a good month. I like it. What do you want to call it? Like the battle of the vocalists, I like want to call it. I, d- I do want to start off real quick because January of nineteen eighty three sucked ass. I think our show was great personally. I think it was one of our Me best too. shows. Yeah, sure. The the music was terrible. Um yeah. and but I have a correction to make. I think I I missed I stated that the uh Statler brothers did members only jacket ads back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It was not the Statler brothers. Who was it? It was the Gatlin brothers. Same thing. <laughs> did somebody I write mean, in about that? Because I no, I just want to be I, I don't want to mix Who up. Are all, the Gatlin brothers? I don't want to mix up the Oak Ridge Boys and the Gatlin Brothers. Which and the one Statler did Boombapa Mao Mao? That was Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> okay. And it's the same thing. I'll drop a little Gatlin Brothers in right here for the, for the people at home. Dreaming about California. It don't matter at all where you played before. California's a brand new game. Trying to be a hero. How dare you fuck that up? Yeah, I don't want... Yeah, there's probably a bunch of Gatlin Brothers fans They're out there. They're probably listening. Like, fuck you. Correct us. I've still got my Gatlin Brothers members-only jacket, you motherfucker. I have a black members-only jacket. Yeah, that goes, probably goes with your blue bandana. I'll wear, wear it this winter, this fall. You'll see it. I'll wear it in, Megan. Henry, before I go to this new segment that I've introduced at this beginning of 1983, do you have some notes that you were frantically pulling up about uh, Patreon or something? Yes. Gary Excellent. and Marsha are new Patreons for us. He says, thanks for review. Check this out. This is his message. Thanks for reviewing what I badly lost track of or just lost during one of my many binges. I guess Gary had some issues back in the 80s, right? Wow. So he said, a clear head today reminds me of great music I lived through. So, I mean, that's 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 some meaningful shit, man. Was he having some binges when he was like 14? I mean, how old was he in the 80s? I don't 80s? know. Didn't I haven't asked. What was, what's his last name? I hope that's not a privacy concern. Like we, I think it is. I think we just pointed it out. Should we beep it? <laughs> What's his address? <laughs> do you? Hey, he threw us a bone, so we're just gonna go ahead and put his Henry. Do you have his, his message out there? Do you have his phone number? <laughs> basically, try to steal his Gary, identity. send us your What's social your security. Right, right. <laughs> 
prone to blackouts. <laughs> Perfect victim. <laughs> he will never ever write He's in. He's gonna take his show again. take his money back. <laughs> now next week we will get a formal summons for a lawsuit. Um, but yes, it, so it was Gary. I'm sorry, Gary. I apologize. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. And if anybody else dares be a Patreon subscriber, we will skewer you as well. <laughs> Shout your ass out. <laughs> Uh, so that just took time because I wanted to get to my new segment, Henry, which is I'm going to put, I'm going to tell the Billboard Top 100 Top 5 for the month of whatever month we're in every month. Okay. Singles, not albums. Singles. Oh, that, should I mention what one other listener asked us to do? Oh, I think we've got it together. Listeners, right? do we have to deal with yeah, them? Car- Carrie said that she was enjoying the podcast and likes discovering new music and remembering music that she forgot about. But her suggestion to help get her get more out of the reviews if we could, would consistently list the singles from each album. Sometimes that's harder than others. Like some, like some records didn't really have noticeable singles that anybody would know, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it would help her locate it in time and distinguish it by others from the same artist. So maybe I'm thinking that we can make this commitment is to try to, to mention the singles in yes. our notes when we talk. Yeah, the three of okay? us are like super music nerds, so it, sometimes I think we all three are like, of course everybody knows this song was on that album, and so maybe I shouldn't play it because everyone's heard it a lot. Or maybe I shouldn't even mention the singles. Yep, yep. And we should do a better job of that. Carrie's uh, like, knock the snobby shit off and just tell us what the hits were, <laughs> asshole. Well, Carrie, I'm sure you'll be glad that I'm going to do this next segment that I'm dying to do, Henry, which yeah. is I want to bring up the Billboard Top 5 Singles from the Month. That is every month. Very good. Okay, so the first one, the one that spent two weeks at number one, and five. It was this is on a five week streak for this song because it was also the the number one song of January was Down Under by which, Men at Work, which they also played at the Alligator Farm in Saint Augustine this weekend at the entrance of the little Australian section. And that's relevant because Henry was there, I'm assuming, this yeah, week. Yes, so I was there last week, okay. and I heard that. Do you remember that little clip I sent you? That was down I under. did. I just thought our listeners might be like, how did he know that? Well, he was there. Um, number two. I yeah, I think it, it, it fits, fits, right? Yeah. Um, number two, Baby Come to Me. You remember that one? I mean, I heard it on the radio. Who did it? It was two weeks at number one. The song is by James Ingram. And yes, James Ingram. It was a duet that he did with, I believe. Let me put my arms around you. This was meant. Put it underneath. Regina Bell. Make sure it's right. I will. That's going underneath. I'm so glad I found you. Need you every day. Okay. Yeah. So that was a, that was a neat one that we didn't that we didn't cover the album. So I was kind of that was a fun one to hit. Uh, number three. I don't know that song. You do, do you still not know that one? Number three is Africa by Toto. Mm-hmm. It's just a rock solid. Everybody knows that one. Of course it is. Yeah. It had not made it to number one yet on the on the countdown in any of the weeks. Um, number four was Shame on the Moon. And Henry and I had to look that up because we don't remember. A Bob, it's a Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band song. Oh. Yep. And I don't really remember it as well as you did when I we looked it up. I re- only remember the chorus. Sing was, it. 
I can't. Rem- I can't remember sing it now. It. Still, I, we're going to add to this if you segment. It, I would be able to sing it again. I just can't remember what it is. I'm going to start calling this segment. Henry sings the top five singles. I'd have known that. Prove that you know it. Henry. Would have blown my nose and cleared my throat. And- oh, and number five was the first week uh, making an appearance was Stray Cat Strut by the Stray Cats. I mean, I never liked the Stray Cats that much. I kind of, yeah. I kind of dug them. They're all right. I think Brian Setzer's a really good guitar player, but oh, they're kind of gimmicky. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I'll tell you the problem with, with, with that you have with him, Henry. It's not the Stray Cats. It's when he made that resurgence in the 90s with the, the whole uh, squirrel nut zipper. That's infected it all, right? Yeah. You look back on it wrong. Yeah, the whole <laughs> swingers thing, and you're like, Wait oh, a fucking shit. minute. Wait a fucking minute. He's in Squirrel Nut Zippers? No, no, no. Oh, but he was, was that whole shtick. He he made a comeback during that time, and they were big oh, followers. With the Brian Setzer The Brian Setzer Oh, Stray Cats, you real cool guy. And Henry and I even got a, a, a huge mega dose of that crap because Squirrel Nut Zippers were from a town very close to us, so it was all the rage. Are you guys proud? Zoot suit riot. No, we're not proud at <laughs> That's all. That's a trend that should have never been. Ugh. It wasn't Ugh. a very long lasting one. No. But I will say this, and and Henry and Megan have we I think we've talked about this before. There was this whole thing in the early eighties, like with Dave Edmonds and uh Rock Pile and Stray Cats. There was this like nouveau fifties post punk, like hanging on to the fifties element with mm. the um you know I don't know, like the big uh, semi-hollow body guitars and uh, upright bass player and the drummer just beating on a garbage can or something like that. So that, that they kind of represented that whole thing. Yep. Well, and even Billy Joel did like 50s stuff mm-hmm. kind of like in the 80s. So there was kind of like a fascination, I think maybe because they were baby boomers. Right. And that was like when they were born or when they grew up like as kids, perhaps. I don't know. But, you know, like that that way of doing music was was ripped off by punks. So we're going to talk about the Ramones today. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that. disco had become such a big like commercial in, in a lot of people's mind, overblown, overproduced over mm-hmm. that kind of going back to that quick two minute rock and roll thing was a big deal. But mm-hmm. okay. So let's also, we, we should cover some significant events to get everybody in the mood for uh, February, 1983. Close your eyes and try to imagine 1983. You too, Megan. I will not close my eyes around you, know, you ever. That's a rule I have. Back. Okay. Um, the final episode of MASH aired Man, I in love February of 2003. Guess how many viewers there were, Henry? 125 million. God, you nailed it. Damn. Nailed it. It's almost like it was written in front of you. But um, and remember when the that's guy a flew, lot of viewers. Remember when they, they flew away and yeah. they spelled out in rocks, goodbye, friend, or whatever. I think I cried. And I was only like oh my God. nine. It was, it was a moment. There was only three TV stations at the time. so like, <laughs> It was a shared experience. It was. Well, that's why there was 125 million viewers. That's right. The that's other- what's wrong with our world today. We have too many channels. We're splintered off in too many different directions, and we can't come with one mind about anything. There should just be three goddamn three, channels. Three, four. It should be NBC, ABC, CBS, and PBS. That's what it is. Fuck, fuck. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to happen. No, I, don't again. I don't either. I don't either. Um, Megan, what else happened that month? 
So at the 25th Grammy Awards, Toto and Men at Work, both bands that had uh, great success mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, long into their careers, crushed it, apparently. They so. did. They like swept the Grammys at that at that point. And obviously, from what we just went through, they had singles on the charts. So they were the, big, the big bands that um, during that award ceremony. Henry, what is the final significant event that I could find? Because it was not a lot going on other than music and film. Three underground nuclear tests? Yeah. You know why I put this in here? Why? If you look at the dates. They're all in February. Well, so the Soviet Union tested on February 1st. Uh So we retaliated by testing on February 17th. So Uh, the Cold War, we were in this like, you. if you test, I'm going to test. But the tests were like... um, so I read about that the tests were like meaningless. They, they weren't really testing anything. They were just shooting them underground just to say we have a nuclear weapon and it works. So, yeah, I mean, the threat of that probably had had a lot of impact on some of the records we're listening to today. You know what? We are so far afield right now. I think we should probably cover some albums, which is what we do sort of best. What do you guys say? Current events we don't do as well. We, do, we, get, we get weird when we get into current events. Records, man. All right, let's cover some records. And the first one we're going to cover from February of 1983 is by a band called Journey. The album is called Frontiers. It is an all-music, four-star album. And I personally love this album, like, as a kid. So, like, I, I would put it on the shit we like uh, scale as well. There were four hits. What was her name? Carrie? Carrie. Carrie, there were four hits from this album. Faithfully, Cinder My Love, Separate Ways, and After the Fall. And the one I picked to play is Separate Ways. listening to that new journey you know a new song that they put out with arnell yeah in it yes. yeah. and i was like man he just they try but he is not going to be this guy 
That's tough to pick on that guy. Cause I, I'm not picking He's doing on him. yeoman's work. He's he's doing he's doing a great job. But, but like Steve Perry goes, yeah, like man, if I <laughs> here we stand, like it doesn't. You know, it's, it's two syllables. That was impressive. Um, <laughs> if I could do what Steve Perry does, I would just walk in places like and just. Just do that. Like, Cover. go to the laundromat and just be like, I'm going to stand. Just like crush it. And people would be like clapping for me and it would be, it would be amazing. Does he still sound good? Like, does anybody know? Yes. About- yeah, he does. So he put out a record recently, but like, there's a famous YouTube video clip where um, he's a big San Francisco Giants fan. And like three mm-hmm. years ago, you know, he was like retired and wouldn't sing before he put this album out. He was like, I'm not singing at all. And they finally convinced him because the Giants made the playoffs. They didn't tell anybody, but in the seventh inning stretch, they took a mic to him up at his seat and he just started busting out. In my city. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. The oh. whole place goes fucking insane. And he's just sitting in his seat, like just like having a hot dog and like, and just everybody's like, holy shit. Shit. If you give, cool. if it, well, you it give is. It's a cool video. Steve Perry, a moderately well-written song, balladish song. <laughs> I think he makes it extraordinary because his voice is like a hundred percent silk. You know, it's right. like Freddie Mer- Mercury level. I think. I agree. But like the record, this record, I found I d- when I listened to it, I just felt like Journey wasn't the ba- band in Frontiers that I thought they were in like 1988 when the greatest hits record came out because I would listen to like all the big songs, the ones that we would consider big. In fact, they left off. Don't even listen to the 2006 read, read, redo of this album because they put only the lonely on there. And they also, what's the other one? They, they left two significant journey hits off of this record initially and then put it back in 06. Yeah. And, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and I'm I'm looking it up in my notes because I wrote it down. But there's a song for some reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> only the young, yeah, which was a hit that they put on the Vision Quest Vision soundtrack Quest. Right, right, instead right. of this album. Which like that that song would have probably moved stupid. another million copies right. of Frontiers. It was the stupidest move yeah. to leave only the lonely and uh, only the young and ask the lonely off of there. Off of there was probably hell. I think it's worth more. I think it could have been. A massive hit. It could have been Thriller if you, because if you think about it, there was already four hits on there. If you add two more hits and you got six hits, I mean, what do you going to listen to? Fucking Rubicon? I mean, <laughs> there are songs on there that aren't that good. Okay, so let me, let's, let's, let's break that down a minute though. They're There's, like their prime at this point though. They are. I agree, I agree with, with Henry. Like, I think that they could have done almost really anything, you know, especially because they moderately talented songwriter. And like just his voice. Okay, so let's 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 take it this way. Does everyone agree the album before Escape is like the quintessential? It's like the Led Zeppelin four of Journey albums. It's got the most songs on the greatest hits. Sure, but this one's got faithfully on it. So okay, so like, all right, well, well, let's 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 break this down a second. Do any of us think that any Journey album doesn't have filler on it? No, no. So like, you can't really blame frontiers for having filler on it now i don't know why it's got 12 songs on it yeah that's like very heavy i feel for a journey album and i also think they needed a producer to go look guys you've got six whatever hits why are you doing a double album because your non-hits are non-factors like let's just limit the damage but i will say this i think i was shocked going back 
I think Frontiers is better than Escape. Um, the hits are better than what's on Escape. If if you include the two songs they removed, that's my point. If you add those two songs, they it is a much better. Time. Right, it, it's part of the session. But they were too stupid to put it I, on. Well, there. They're, they're, <laughs> we've seen the recent documentary. They're not, not their, brainiacs. I know, but, but here's yeah. the other point I wanted to make that I think Frontiers has going for it. Jonathan Kane actually kind of takes over on Frontiers. Well, he wrote faithfully. Well, and he wrote most of the songs on Frontiers yeah. or co-wrote. Because I, I feel like all the time I give, and most people give Steve Perry, like, all the Journey credit. Yeah, yeah. But, like, 80s Journey, I think, has a much to do with Jonathan. Is it Jonathan Kane? That's that's the guy that wrote it. I think he's the, the keyboard, keyboard guy. But now, here's the thing. Everybody's like, yeah, well, he gets credit for Journey. They suck. He wrote four. He was part of writing four huge hits, including Faithfully, during the 80s. And it is, isn't it weird to think, because I went into this album the same as you guys going, this isn't their best album or whatever. This album, had every time, every song that came up, I was like, oh shit, I know that song. Like it was, it was very successful for what they wanted it to do. One half or three quarters of the album has the secret sauce. The others are them pretending to try to be something else sometimes. Is there any journey that has more no. than three quarters? No, but I think we all, I did. I was spoiled by the Greatest Hits album into believing that they were a certain kind of band. So that's the crux of it. See, yeah. everybody thinks that they have out these great albums because they have one great album. It's right. called the Greatest Hits album. That's my point, I guess. It's well, like, if people, yeah. though, you can't say they suck, and when people do, it's like, you're full of shit. Yeah, you're, yeah, you are full of shit, basically. Like, Even I mean, if you say... Best, no, but, but they like they are hit makers. And by the way, and if you say Frontiers sucks, I would say it had four top ten hits on it. You like how can that suck? How can that suck? Right? Yeah. I wanted to bring yeah. this thing up that I found, guys. And I don't know if you know about it or not, but they did this record that's called Dream After Dream in like 1980. You can't find it anywhere. It's unavailable for purchase or on. I mean, online. It's a soundtrack to this movie that's called You May Know Otto. And it is so mellow, but... It, Are you talking about the band Journey? Yeah. Okay, I was just it, making sure. It characterizes to me, like, what the best work of Journey was in, like, their hit maker mode, but also it's like a a window into the, the finer points that Journey proper could add to a song and make it good. You only you know? get this on our podcast. Henry, say the name of that album it's again. Called, it's a Secret the, Journey album. It's called Dream After Dream. And it's all, it was only available. Available. It's it's a soundtrack to a movie called You May Know Otto. You can go find it on YouTube. A guy okay. has taken the the vinyl version and put it, you know, and filmed mm-hmm. it, you know, going around around. You can't find it online. Weird. Yeah, I've never you, heard of that. Many people are calling it their second favorite Journey album. Can you guys finish the show? I'm going to go listen to. Uh... <laughs> What's it called? You can't find auto. <laughs> it's called. Where is my auto? It's called Dream After Dream. Dream After Dream. But the Japanese movie is called You May Know Auto. I'm actually. I am going to actually go listen to the first couple tunes while you cover the fucking Ramon. <laughs> but um, I'll be back after that segment. I'm so glad I could drop that on you. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up ish because I feel like those hits are so banging that it's hard to. But 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 the lows are really low. Yeah, thumbs up for me. I I dig it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. All right, what's our next record, Henry? Next record we're going to listen to is from a band called the Ramones that Chris loves. It's his favorite band of all time. Sigh. The record is called Subterranean Jungle. And the song we're going to listen to is... Oh, wait, Henry, don't you want to list all the hits? There were none. There, no, there were none that I know nope. of. Nope. Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> 
But we are going to play a fun song called Psychotherapy. Why is that song the most interesting one on the record? It's because they're trying to play fast for a change because people thought they couldn't play fast. That's basically it. <laughs> I I mean, I like that song. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is the Ramones are another band where it's like they're probably not like if you want to go for a really artistic where the whole album is great and yeah. all of like the songs blend in together yeah. and there's like a theme. Yeah. You're not going to find that. With <laughs> yeah. them. You know, like it's just it is what it is I'm with you. Like the way that I the way that I put it down was like it's the teen movie of your life where mm-hmm. the where the, the feelings are just simple, like love and hate. The Ramones are that one carefree song in the Lottie Da thing at the at the party mm-hmm. for music that didn't really matter that much. That was kind of background for it. It meant, hey, this is a rebellious thing here at the frat mm-hmm. party, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> here should in you, Kenosha, <laughs> should you make a whole album of that? Should you make a whole career of that? Should you make twenty five <laughs> albums of that? Should your whole st- should your whole shtick be like you're from the cast of Grease? I just always come back to you that know? there are there are big time Ramones fans. There are people that are like Ramones are amazing, and I just don't. Every record we cover, I'm like, when when am I going to get to this record that's going to make me go? I get it. Yeah, they on this record they sound especially bored. I actually thought this one was better than the last one we covered, which was where they tried to get a producer and do pop songs. I liked, and it was it was bad. I but, liked the crap one, the one that the one that sounded the one that Phil. You'll have not, to give me more. Phil Spector. Yeah, the, the Phil. One, yeah, I no, I, I like this. Yeah, one. I like this one better. That's why I yeah, said I didn't I, like. I liked the other one more because yeah. it was because they tried to take a chance. It got kind of fucked up, but it was okay with me. I guess no, this one at least sounded like the Ramones to me. But I just don't. I just don't like the. Ramones. I think the Ramones play different for Megan though because she's younger. Tell me about it, Megan. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, say I don't like. Obviously, when you think punk, especially like old school punk. You think of the Ramones because, like, everybody recognizes, like, the T-shirt with the eagle or whatever mm-hmm. and the names in the circle. So, I mean, I think they're kind of – everybody knows them. But, like, I could probably only – I haven't listened to them a lot. So maybe confidently name, like, ten Ramones songs. Yeah. And do you really need to know more than that? Yeah. So, like, I feel yeah. like a lot of people in my generation, we don't really have – like, if you have a passionate opinion about them, mm-hmm. you like them. Anybody else is pretty much indifferent about them. 
Yeah. Well, let, I, me, let me see if Chris agrees with this perspective. The Ramones were important because they told us all that you could do a band too. The DIY or whatever. I, I would I would even go further. After reading the book about the New York punk scene in the beginning, um, I believe they are the first punk band. Ooh. So I give them all the credit in the world. Yeah. I just don't like them. Mm-hmm. And you don't. Ha- and here's the thing: you don't have to like somebody nope, to nope. kind of respect what they do. No, and I do, yeah. and I give them full faith and credit. But if I was to tell, if someone asked me, should they go back and listen to Subterranean Jungle? I would say, nah. Yeah. If you, but but to Bagan's point, like don't go to the Ramones expecting a whole lot of emotional um, re- resonance. You know. No. No, but I mean, if I if I invented punk, I mean that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've done enough, pig. Yeah. Like I don't <laughs> yeah. have to do any more than that. And I get that. And I respect that. I just don't dig their music. It, I think some people like them because they tenaciously did one thing for their whole career. Right. Mm. And the typical, I mean, they were the typical punk story because they were, I think, you know, they kind of invented it. But I mean, were they sad? Were they depressed because they were bored doing this same shtick over and over again? I think that's an interesting question, though, for a lot of bands. Mm-hmm. Like, do you change all the time or do you, uh, do you give the people what they want or do you get pigeonholed? Like, I think that's a tough, that's a tough call. Like, I think we've covered a couple of records. Like, do, did I really want Pete Townsend doing that one record that we listened to him doing where he was trying to grow and. Yeah. He, he sounded like so Mr. Tryhard on the record. Exactly. That, yeah. Mr. <laughs> it is. It's a tough, it's a tough thing, but I'm, I'm going to give this album a thumbs down. Um, I'll give them all their cred. Me too. I'm a thumbs down on it myself. Yeah. All right, Megan, let's get to the next record. All right. It's uh, by a little band. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before from Ireland. They're called U2. And there were two hits off of this record, Sunday, Bloody Sunday and New Year's Day, both of which were like my kind of intro into U2 as a kid. And we're going to play part of New Year's Day. So, like, for me, Henry, you two, when we were kids, 
was like my first serious fucking band. Like they were like, oh, this is not just fucking around like cool music on MTV with blue hair and like weird bangs. These dudes are like serious. I don't know what war they're talking about. They have a purpose. I don't really know about this whole Ireland. I don't really know what's going on in Ireland. I thought there was leprechaun and stuff, but these guys have got some shit going on. Let me take you back to the year 1990. (laughs) So Chris and I just started hanging out. And we first started listening to music like together as just friends all the time. We would share records. He'd burn, he'd made me a tape. One of them was um, Dire Straits or anyway. But I, I went to his house, and uh, I remember that he put CDs side by side of you two in this little nook in the bedroom where we listened to albums together. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember the nook. I don't remember putting albums. But side you by did side. hours for hours and hours, and it was just like it. And I said to you that it seemed like the Joshua Tree might be the best record I had heard <laughs> up until that point, right? Yeah. And you were like, hold the fucking boat. <laughs> and he put these two in front. I didn't know about them at all. And he said, Henry, this is you too. It was this one, boy. Mm-hmm. And it was this one, war. By the time I tuned into you two, they were already kind of monumental in Okay, so you, I didn't, I, I don't remember that. So you weren't really even uh, aware of the YouTube prior to the big knew, bloated Joshua Tree. I, that was my introduction. Okay. You know? Excuse me, what? The yeah. big bloated Joshua Tree? <laughs> oh, which by the way, I like Joshua Tree. I'm not, but it, it's but, a but different it was, sounding band than right. in yeah. War or Boy. Yeah. And, and you know, it's like, I think a 45, 50 year old Henry would probably judge them a little more sanctimonious and cringy. At the time, at t- right. today, back, you know, I'm allowed, to, I feel like I'm allowed to be hypercritical of you two. Um, it was a different time. Too. Well, they invite that purposefully, I think, onto themselves. Or di- but, but just go back and look at some of the video of this, the, this guys. They invite this kind of attention. They want you to care about them enough to even dislike them. I love you know? the album, though. I, I love the album, too. Yeah. Um, it's like the, it's like what I imagine post punk should sound like. Like it's it's not like uh, fluffy bullshit. It's like angular, and again, like these guys, like their videos, they're all like mm-hmm. dressed in like they're all like in the winter time. They're all dressed in like fatigues, and it looks like I'm I'm like they are they've been in a goddamn war. <laughs> I don't even know how the guy's beating on the drum anymore. But like it's like. To me, it was just the first time, like, when you put that video on uh-huh. MTV right next to Flock of Seagulls, all of a sudden Flock of Seagulls looked dumb. Like, before, you yeah. were like, I like Flock of Seagulls, and then this came on, you're like, it's like, holy shit. It was like watching Nirvana, when Nirvana just cut through this shit all yeah, of a yeah. sudden. Like, heavy metal was like, yeah, the hair metal stuff, and then here came this band, it was just like, fuck all that. And in retrospect, it kind of set up the template for the way that I wanted to be about music, like throw yourself into it. Remember, that's mm-hmm. just kind of the way I would always approach music. Like throw yourself into it. Forget about yourself. Kind of inhabit it. Forget who you are for a minute. Right. Lose your self-consciousness. And like, it's fully being in my own world. It's like by observing Bono, he, like, he had this untempered passion about himself. It wasn't... He wasn't the the Joshua Tree guy we get to go later. He was something else. Yeah, and I know? think by the I think by the time you get to Joshua Tree and Octung Baby, both albums I love, but that's that's like introspective, mm-hmm. like a we are in love with America. We're like this band now that like falls in love with places and 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 does our version of it. This was like this is what we to me, this war is like what you two sound sounds like. It's like, like. kind of you two 
at their original sound. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, this is like the sound. You, you, you put it great. And I think Boy, to me, has a similar sound, but not as good a song. It like yeah, yeah. War's yeah, got the better tune. That's true. And his singing is much like you can mm-hmm. tell he has more confidence mm-hmm. in his singing and his singing abilities. Um, just in this album, because I think he just does more with his voice. Really, right? right. They maintain. And it's a super short song, but I love mm-hmm. Forty. I do too. I think That's Forty like, is my favorite. I had forgotten about that one. Me that too. was it's good. Such a good song. Uh, like, they, I love it's, it. It's like they maintain that sort of avant. Mm-hmm. edge to them but bring more of the more traditional rock you know i don't know how you what you call it rock tropes or rock uh form to it you know mm-hmm. yeah and i mean it was it's funny because they if you if you listen to Tactics. them they are both uh or they were all influenced by the same bands that all the english bands were it's almost mm-hmm. like being outside of england added a little bit of a more of a rock edge to it because I think they weren't as cool. They weren't quite as cool because they weren't like as close to London or whatever, or Manchester. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's a great album in and of itself. I personally think it's the best U2 album, even though I do love, um, I don't hate Joshua Tree or Octum Baby. Oh, no. And I'm a big mm-hmm. Brian Eno fan. And when he starts helping do uh, yeah. Unforgettable Fire. I think that's a great yeah. experiment. But this, to me, if you want to know like what U2 sounds like, this is U2. I don't Jennifer. know if you knew this or not, but War knocked Thriller off the number one spot uh-huh. in England. Did you that's know that? That's hard to believe. Yeah. Take that, Michael Jackson. Because mm-hmm. I always thought of War, even in England or here, like as an indie. I mean, I know there was no indie then, but I didn't ever this feel like as a mainstream. I feel like this is when U2 is becoming popular. Mm-hmm. I feel like this album really, because of the success of those two songs, because those are the songs that like, I remember my mom showed me. Oh, yeah. And like my mom, you know, from Michigan. Yeah. So it's like that, you know, I had to be pretty big for them. They were, they were an alternative band, but they were becoming this huge thing. Right, right. And and here's a, here's a band, guys, that we can give credit to for... Never, I mean, you may not like it, but they, they definitely didn't stay the same all the time. Their next album is going to be the Brian Eno produced Unforgettable Fire, which is totally different than War. And then Joshua Tree. I'm going to give this one a, a big thumbs up. Same for me. Um, yes, same. Uh, this, so there's a lot of under underpinnings here on this record, like the snow for, uh, for their surrender and nothing changing on New Year's Day. A lot of context and stuff. You, you just can't. You listen to that with the Ramones, and you're like, "This is why I'm slagging on the Ramones so hard." It's because I get a piece of art, you know. Yeah, and we don't, and we have a thing where we don't cover these. But I want to yeah. give a shout out to the live album that came out after this, the Under a Blood Red Sky, mm-hmm. which was yes. recorded live at Red Rocks. That's like I think one of the best live albums um, that I've heard. Sunday, it's, it's great. Sunday Bloody Sunday is probably the best opening album track you've ever heard in your life. It gets you pumped. Yeah. Did I the Tiger open the Survivor album? I just want to. I just want to put that out there when you say the best opening track. What's the next? That doesn't count. <laughs> and and did everybody's working for the weekend start off the Loverboy record? Stop. What you're trying to put those albums in the same category just, as this album? I don't saying. think that that's. Just saying. I'm just saying. Hey guys, guess what the next record is? I was trying to keep us from doing this. What is going to happen next? <laughs> it's from a band called Sticks. And the record, it, it was called Kilroy Was Here. That sounds like a Broadway musical. And it had, t- sure does. 
And and the fr- <laughs> the two hits, Carrie. Or Mr. Robot. Carrie, you've got us. You're going to get called out all the time. Every episode now, Carrie's going to get called out. (laughs) Mr. Roboto and Don't Let It End. But we're going to play part of Mr. Roboto. Because I I want to let that one end. Were there drugs involved with this decision? So if you know, so I, I had a, I had a big familiarity with sticks going into this album because my, my older brother, before he discovered cool music was a huge sticks fan. God help him. Now before paradise theater, which was the album before this one, I know we reviewed that one too. Okay. Sticks was a different band. (laughs) Sticks was like a, Sticks was like Kansas or um what what are those Henry? Those like Midwest, not Southern Rock, but like the Midwest version. Uh Dust in the Wind, mm. uh America. They were they were like that kind of band. Their big hit was Renegade. So they were like borderline shit kicker band, right? Okay, okay. So their reaction to the eighties and new wave, which I read this interesting so when I went back to look at the Rolling Stone review of this album from when it came out, they actually reviewed this album and Frontiers in the same review and blew them both up. And they both said they basically said, Here's two big rock bands from the seventies trying to become eighties bands in a totally different way. Journey's gone with the Jonathan Kane uh keyboard, new wave tinged pop thing sticks has allowed dennis de young with paradise theater and mr Roboto to go into some crazy broadway musical fantasy thing and the funny thing is i don't know if you saw the behind the music either of you saw uh when it, uh, back in the day um mm-hmm. the entire band did not want to go in this direction like not not that they were cool with their old like not that they were like but when these guys are all sitting around if you can imagine the guys in like who do dust with the wind walking in and dennis dion going i got this little casio part that's going i'm not a robot i'm not a man i'm those dudes were probably like what the fuck is going on here we had nobody in the band strong enough to say hey Dude, this is the most cringy, embarrassing shit I've ever got. Let's In fact, talk. when I listen to it, I want the ground to crack open and swallow me up. I feel so... It's the worst. It okay. might be the worst record I've had to listen to. The most embarrassing. It's pretty bad. I feel bad for the records that I talk shit about, 
Because they're not as bad as this. So the whole episode of that show, Dennis DeYoung to this day thinks that those are the best two records they did. He feels like really alienated, like he got kicked out of the band because of it. And they were the biggest hits that Sticks ever had, both albums. And... In this one, though, he tried to shoehorn this whole anti-establishment narrative into this shitty, like, not even a very well done 70s band thing. I mean, it's it's fucked up. It, it, there, there was lack of enthusiasm everywhere. He really well, did want to do... He really did want to do a Broadway show, a Broadway musical. Well, people not wanting to do it, the other band members, like they didn't want to do it. Do you think it was more maybe they just didn't give a fuck? I don't know. I think, I honestly, Megan, I think from those guys are all big. Um, uh, they, want, they were more into being in a band to make money, first of all. Yeah. And they were making money the old way, but they knew they had to change. So... I think the manager and DeYoung convinced them to take part in this because it was going to, and it did produce a hit like Mr. Robot. It was a hit. So they kind of put up with it. Right. But it wasn't what it, it had nothing to do with what they like to do. So like, it really was like, if you had guys that, uh, if Alabama walked in and you were like, guys, today we're going to do a Broadway musical. Um, <laughs> and they were all like, what? And they're like, yeah, you're well, not going to, you're not going to play instruments by the way, in this show, we're all going to play parts. And um, it's going to be great. You're going to wear costumes. You're going to have costume changes. I mean, Tommy Shaw, if you know Tommy oh. Shaw, that dude who just who then went on to Night Ranger and then Ted Nugent Band. And <laughs> right. He probably was <laughs> looking at him like, are you fucking high? Bad, bad Yankees or damn Yankees. Damn Yankees <laughs> and like just a bunch of... <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of funny to me that he talked them into this because he's like a frustrated... Um, it's almost like, you know what? No, the, it's perfect because it was the very thing that sucked about those guys to begin with because they got they got talked into doing bloated shit. Right. Which is, that, that very much is your shit, by the way. It's almost like he talked them into doing <laughs> right. the opposite of what they would do just because exactly. they're like, you can make some money. Now, like, okay, we'll it's do it. It's the most stark example yeah. of like of somebody's Achilles heel fucking. It reminds <laughs> like, me of almost like Best in Show. Like they should have made a movie about this where Dennis DeYoung walked in and was like, guys, we're going to do it. Is just like that blows my mind that mm-hmm. nobody pulled the plug on it or at any point was like, hey, maybe we need to go in a different direction. All right, so that yeah. song, Don't Let It End, chintzy, crappy. Don't let it, the video just has all of them in like this outfit with barcodes on it. Hey, I know, let's take the same shitty song we've been doing and let's just try to look like yes or something. <laughs> like, put the thing on it. We're edgy. We're edgy. I mean, at this point, you're completely... It had fuck all to do with the song. Completely inside the mind of Dennis DeYoung at this point. And the sad thing was, he probably just wasn't good enough to pull this off. Like, Was he always this guy? Yes. And they just happened to... It was almost like they were making him do uh, that other crap. Yeah, the 70s stuff (laughs) was just him along for the ride. Yes. And then he got to come out (laughs) of his shell... Oklahoma. <laughs> just the robot thing is just, I don't know. For some reason, I just find like it, it's really corny. It is. It's super corny. That and then, Bow Diddy Bow opening of that song, so, High Time. So even, to get, <laughs> what the fuck so even to get the story, apparently, like um, I, on the Wikipedia where they're trying to give some coherence to it, um, 
by the end of the album, you're supposed to know that he was that this Kilroy character was hiding as Mr. Roboto. But the opening song is Mr. Roboto, and at the end, he's going, "I'm Kilroy, right? Kilroy." <laughs> They put that at the first song. Like, I remember as a kid, somebody played that, and I was like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Like, what is this? I thought he was a robot. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to write all these meaningful lyrics about, oh, like, man. Bless all him. the sins of society. I just wanted to climb under my seat. But, they, yeah, I'm going to give this a Think about it. A like, thumbs, thumbs, it it's like down. the lyrics are horrible. They basically sounds like 70 music combined with C or D-grade Broadway shit. <laughs> He must have thought he was Andrew fucking Lloyd Webber or something. It's bad. The delusion. <laughs> He's trying to it's be bad. like Phantom of the Opera or I will say this, though. If you can find it, that behind the music is probably one of the most uh, entertaining. I'm embarrassed things. that the oh, damn yeah. thing exists. Mm-hmm. It finds a frequency that makes me feel terrible. Watching the videos are torturous. I had to turn God, them off. It's all bad. When it, you are more proud. One of the worst. When you're more proud of your work with Ted Nugent. Than you are of doing this bit. This is a bad album. It's a really bad album. It's a stinker. I think it's probably a candidate for worst of '83. Right off the bat, I'm going to oh. say. Oh yeah, it'll, it'll. I mean, I can't imagine. It's the worst of the decade so far. So far, so far. Okay, so I think that's three thumbs down, right? Yeah, I could yeah. go on, but okay. The last record we're going to cover. <laughs> yeah, we're giving it too much time. <laughs> no. um, is by a band called Echo and the Bunny Men. There were no quote unquote hits off of this record. It is called Porcupine, and the song we're going to play is called The Cutter. listening to this it was interesting to me to compare uh where they were at this point in their career versus u2 they were actually the bigger band in the uk if it was one of those things where if at the time you did you did, did a 
you'd ask the man on the street, uh, which band is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. rule the late eighties, early nineties. Everyone would have put their money on echo. I, I personally have a theory for why you two became you two and echo didn't, but I, I think that's interesting to me because I really like echo and the bunny, but I, I kept listening to this going, why didn't they become you two? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, where did it go south for them? Versus well, and, and and not that they didn't have, the band, I think. Yeah, and they did have a good career. It's not like they uh, Ocean Rain, one of their records coming up to me is one of the best records of the eighties, period. So it's not like they didn't have good records. They didn't launch into that stratosphere like you two. And I it was it was hard for me not to compare the two albums um side by side. I think that they're I don't know that they're stylistic change was as evident from album to album like it would have been for U2, maybe. I think looking back on their career, they didn't have as much range as U2. Um, but you listen to that song, though. I mean, Megan, you'd agree with me. Like, listen, to, it sounds like Bono did not have the market cornered on, like, dramatic vocalists, you know? No. No, <laughs> no and I would put, it's it's funny because I until I heard the cover that he did, the Doors cover that they did during the Lost Boys soundtrack, yeah. um, he was an, obsessed with Jim Morrison. And he's basically doing Jim Morrison. He's like crooning be, doing Jim Morrison. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Sergeant, who's one of my favorite guitar players, and just put an autobiography out, by the way. Um, okay. The thing about Echo that's interesting, and in, in most of their songs, not all their songs, but most, he never played any rhythm guitar. There is no guitar in there just strumming chords. Like, everything are these angular lines. So to me, Echo always sounded like you could see through it or you could pick your way through it. It always felt like sparse mm-hmm. versus, you know, there is a lead player, but there's a guy strumming G, A, D, you know, or whatever. There was none of that with them. So, and the other great thing about Echo, which nobody gives credit for, their rhythm section was like a professional studio grade rhythm section from the jump. Yep. And those guys, like if you listen to this album, especially this one more than the last one. Yeah, listen to this we record. We missed heaven somehow. We missed. We skipped heaven. Heaven up, a, heaven up here. Yeah. yeah but I don't know. I don't know. We'll have like, to add it to the uh, greatest misses show. Yeah, I had to go back and listen to it. But this one, to your point, is like a lot more. I mean, you could almost call this record funky. Yeah, oh, totally. yeah, yeah. Really? You could because the because the rhythm section is like doing their own. And, and I was I was listening to this thing and this thing. You got how did this even work? You've got like a almost funk rhythm section. A guy trying to be the eighties Jim Morrison and another dude that's the guitar player that won't play chord. Mm-hmm. And it works. It works great. But the record was still anxious and twitchy, like young people. Yeah, I don't and, know why. and it is interesting too that how how. Uh, determinative of whether you were going to make it at this point or not was videos because I think the whole reason that they didn't hit in America with this album was their videos either weren't as good or were non-existent. 
Yeah, Will Sargent. They definitely have videos from mm-hmm. this yeah. time period, I think, but like none were ever huge. No. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was that U2's videos were memorable. I, th- I think that was a big part of it. Yeah. But Echoes were more like, hey, we're British dudes. Yeah, that was around. that was my theory because I think the videos were so important. Like, yeah. and and you get you get bands like Echo and the Smiths who get pigeonholed in America as one song. Like, uh, mm-hmm. if if you hear Echo, it's going to be Lips Like Sugar, and if you yes. hear the Smiths, it's going to be How Soon Is Now. And and, and even yeah. though even though War was so good, um, I still think Will Sargent's licks were better than anything that Edge will have written just yet. Right. Yeah. Oh, I think it's, he. I think he might be the unsung. Be, at this point in time, in 1983, he he beats the edge. I think he might right. be the unsung guitar hero for me of the whole 80s. Yeah. Like, because all he does is hooks and licks. He doesn't really do chord progression, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So this record gets a thumbs up from me. Really strong, lovely album. Yep. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up as well. I will also give it a thumbs up. All right, there you have it. That is February of 1983. Let's go ahead and get the picks of the episode. Um, Megan, why don't you start? Um, I'm going to have to go with War by U2. Okay, so Megan's going with U2 I'm going to go with War, too. I almost voted with my heart for Journey, but I have, to objectively, I have to objectively give this, this round to, uh, to War. I'm going to go with Porcupine. Hmm. Um, I like Echo surprised. better. They're my favorite, one of my favorite 80s bands, and I think this album might be their well, except for Ocean Rain, which is a classic. I think this is their best record. In the battle of the dramatic vocalist, who wins? Dennis DeYoung, <laughs> mm. Ian McCullough, mm. Bono, or mm. Steve Perry? I think it's clear. If, all right, so you've got, it's the battle of those define, dudes. Do you mean by being the most difficult? Who was the best? Let's go ahead and tell oh, Dennis DeYoung to take a hike. Dennis DeYoung is out. So of yeah. the three, this is the big three. This is a big kind of a triumvirate kind of thing. Steve Perry, king of... Why are you not even putting so- Joey Ramone in the... <laughs> Bono or... I don't think or- can put Steve Perry and like Ian McCullough in the same category, though. I don't know. It's tough. I If, I was, if I'm just going with who's the best singer, uh-huh. it's Steve Perry. Who yeah. contri- right, like who is the transformative guy? <laughs> uh, th- who contributed the most as a vocalist? Like without Steve Perry, Journey is just nothing and ain't anything. Just well, I would argue band, after right? listening to Reverberation that without Ian McCullough on the Bunnymen, it's not anything. <laughs> I, I disagree. I think Will Sargent has, but I, has, I, has, I, contributes every bit as much to that. I see Ian McCullough more as not only a vocalist, but like an artist and a personality and like a whole package Whereas Steve Perry's just like, he can sit at a ball game and they give him a, a microphone and he will bring the entire house down. All right, thanks. Steve Perry wins. Steve Perry wins. Whoop, 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 Are we going to do that every episode? We're going to have a battle with the singers? No, no. This was a special one. We just, we got three gifted, well-known singers, four, three gifted, well-known speakers in the in the thing here. This we is had your the- pool, Henry, and you forgot how many there were. <laughs> We want to hey, thank Chad. Hey, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> want to thank our Patreon subscribers again for their support. You help us keep the lights on here. If you like the records we're choosing, please consider subscribing to the pod. You'll have our newest content downloaded to your device. If you could review us on Pandora or Apple Podcasts or other platforms like Stitcher and Spotify, we would really appreciate it. 
You can chat us up, ask us questions, even on Twitter at 80s Exposed or email us at 80smusicexposed at gmail.com. That's where a lot of our people are finding us. You can hit us up on social media where um, Megan will find you there. You can leave us a voicemail on SpeakPipe. Just look at the uh, show notes and you'll have that. Uh, Chris's Twitter handle is what, Chris? Um, At... T-C-I Duke. My Twitter handle is at Hank G. The pod's uh, Twitter handle is at 80s. Isn't that right? At 80s Exposed. Mm -hmm. And that's an 8-0, right? Right. 8-0-S Exposed. And Megan, what are you on Instagram? Uh, Bastards of Young 92. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Anything else to add? You just looked at me and nodded. Because you look, approached the microphone. I oh, thought you were about to belt one out like... No, I was just waiting. Spare us the cutter. <laughs> the I, well, you know what's going in my head, though? No, I, uh, because I'm still mad that you didn't include Dennis DeYoung. I was going to... I think he sang Sailing Away, or Come Sail Away, and I was going to do... Come sail away, come sail away, come sail away with me, I say. Uh, guess yeah. what, guys? What? That I was made, horrible. I'm probably cutting that out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> What's okay. that, Henry? I made you a mixtape.